I'm Sarah, a PA and mama to a six-month-old little boy. And I'm Maria, a third grade teacher expecting my first baby in September. We certainly don't claim to be motherhood experts. In fact, we are just beginning to figure this whole thing out. But one thing that we have quickly realized is that pregnancy and motherhood require a great deal of sacrifice. But what a gift that sacrifice is. It gives us the tiniest glimpse of the sacrifice our Heavenly Father made when he sent his own son to die for us, a death that we deserved. Through motherhood, we get to live out the gospel message of sacrifice daily, as we do our best to love these little people that the Lord has entrusted us with. So whether you're drinking hot coffee and praying to one day become a mama, decaf while you're growing your babe, or cold coffee that was once hot while you meet the needs of your littles, come hang out with us while we chat all things motherhood and discover what the Lord is teaching us through the sacrifices of this sweet season. Welcome back to the Cold Coffee Podcast. My name's Maria and I'm here with Sarah today. Hey. (laughs) And today we are going to talk a little bit about just um, the newborn season with our two little ones, um, with her with Pryor and me with Lena. And I'm currently in it and Sarah was pretty much in it this time last year, Mm -hmm. a little bit earlier than me, but not by much, like a few days apart, honestly. Yeah, they're only, they're (laughs) one year and eight days apart. Oh my gosh, I knew you would know the number. Yeah. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, so like Um, exactly one year ago, which literally if I go back and look at my pictures or like if Facebook or Instagram Mm -hmm. reminds me one year ago, it wrecks Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. But yeah. And he was so cute and bald and little. (laughs) I think he's way cuter now than he was though, which is so funny because I thought he was so cute in the moment and now I'm looking back and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't even know what I was thinking because he's I already now. think Lena's way cuter now than she was like seven weeks ago. Isn't it funny how that happens? Mm-hmm. And they it's just crazy. keep getting cuter and cuter. I know, I know. But yeah, we're going to talk just a little bit about how, um, and we technically, we looked up that the newborn season is technically only eight weeks Yeah, long. like typically up to um, two months, some people will say, yeah. which I think it's, uh, some people would probably say like six weeks or I don't know, it's right. kind of just super subjective. Yeah, but so we're just going to talk about a little about how our babies did with um, feeding, with sleeping, um, how we did healing mentally and physically, and then we're just going to talk about the adjustment overall having a baby for the first time. Um, So do you want to start or do you want me to start since I'm in it already? Yeah, yeah, you can start. (laughs) Or in it right now. Um, So we're going to start talking about our healing Um, And I guess we can do physically first Mm because I feel like that's a little easier. Um, I was amazed by how well my body healed. Um, And I know I've talked to Sarah about this a ton and everyone in my life, but like I'm just amazed by the woman's body in general and how well we can heal from something. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know I had a pretty, I still think birth was really, really hard, but as far as the trauma my body went through. I didn't go through too much. So I know that my healing was probably easier than other people's healing. Um, But yeah, I was just completely, completely amazed with how well I healed. And I know the first few days I was sore and like I didn't hop up as quickly as I used to, um, especially while still in the hospital. But I felt so pretty normal, really, really quickly, which was amazing to me. Yeah. Um, and I know yours was pretty much the same, wasn't it, Sarah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah. like, which I definitely, from, like, doing different rotations in OBGYN, like, I had heard, like, a bunch of different recommendations for, like, how long you should stay in bed and, like, mm-hmm. how long you mm-hmm. should avoid getting up and walking and, you know, mm-hmm. definitely just listening to your body during those first mm-hmm. few days and weeks. But it was so funny. So even though I went into the whole thing, like being super intentional that I wanted to really take it easy and like give myself time to heal and give myself grace that I didn't need to be up doing all the things because Mm -hmm. I did feel so good. Justin kept having to remind me like, go sit down. I'll bring you whatever it is. But Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I do. I feel like I really had a very easy Mm -hmm. physical recovery. One thing that I will say though, is I definitely remember the next day in the hospital and then the following day when I got discharged, I remember being, and that was for sure like the most sore that I felt, but I remember feeling so sore. Like Mm -hmm. every muscle in my body, like my pinky muscles, my neck muscles, everything, because I didn't have an epidural and I like worked through every single contraction, like Mm -hmm. with my whole body. And I used all these muscles just trying to cope. 
Oh, I literally the next day was like, Justin, why is my pinky sore? And he's like, Sarah, because you literally like it was brutal. So in yeah. in my even like my eyes and the muscles around my eyes, mm-hmm. just from all the pushing and mm-hmm. I think I probably share this. Like I had petechiae, so like little broken blood vessels like in my face and around my eyes and stuff just from the pushing. And I only pushed for like 30, 40 minutes. But oh still gosh. it was like no joke. Yeah. It was really intense. Oh yeah. Oh but yeah. um anyway, so I do remember like those first two days being like, oh man, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. But then once yeah. I got home, it was yeah, mm-hmm. very mild. Yeah, I think a few days after I got home I was feeling much better mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um I do remember this my I don't think this is TMI, but I remember the first time I sat on like our hard wooden chairs in the kitchen. I was like, this doesn't feel the best. Like I'm gonna go sit back on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> um that's For funny sure. though that you I didn't feel any of that soreness because I did have an epidural. I think the physical part after for me that was the weirdest was that my lower half of my body had been numb. Yeah. Almost for 24 hours for me, like really numb for a long time. And I swear 30 minutes later, she was like, let's get up and go to the bathroom. And I like got up and my legs like totally didn't know how to work anymore. It had obviously been taken out at that point, but um, that was crazy for me because I was like, I have to learn how to use my legs again because they've been numb for 24 hours. I know. That's wild. That's one thing. It was wild. Yeah. That's one thing that I say like. (laughs) So obviously, so in the rule of thumb too, at least at the hospital that both Maria and I delivered at is they, so you, there's a labor and delivery unit and that's where you labor and deliver Mm -hmm. the baby. And then Mm -hmm. you get moved to the mother baby unit, which is on a different Mm -hmm. floor. And typically they want to wait until you have gotten up and gone to the bathroom before they will move you. And so obviously if you have an epidural, that takes a little bit longer because you have to be able to walk. But mm-hmm. so I didn't have to wait and I did have to pee pretty quickly. And so obviously the nurse on labor and delivery knew that. But then when I got to mother baby, I told Justin like all morning, or I guess it was, I had prior at 2.48. So like early, early morning, like the night shift people, mm-hmm. anyone that came in would be like, when they would help me to the bathroom, they'd be like, okay, can you feel your legs yet? And I'm like, listen, I felt my legs the whole time. I felt everything the whole time. Yeah, what? But yeah, so that's something that like mm-hmm. waiting until, you know, you feel like you yeah. can walk again. Another like random thing that I think is helpful, and I learned this from my rotations and kind of use this as a rule of thumb, and this might be TMI, but if you're listening and you've had a baby or you are pregnant, then you mm-hmm. will experience this. Mm-hmm. But so you have bleeding for up to six weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it resolves before then, but you can have bleeding up to six weeks. Yeah, And a good kind of indicator to know if you're doing too much physically after you have the baby mm-hmm. is if your bleeding maybe has started to resolve a little bit, but then after a certain mm-hmm. thing like starts to pick up some more, that oftentimes mm-hmm. means that you're doing too much. And so yeah. one thing that is an interesting visual and helps you just like understand the healing that your body needs to do is if you think about, so your placenta is attached to the inside of your uterus and mm-hmm you know, for you to deliver the baby and then the placenta, the placenta has to detach. Mm -hmm. And so now you essentially have this huge wound in your uterus that has to heal. So Mm -hmm. a scab forms or whatever. Um, But if you're doing too much, it will bleed. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, if you have increased bleeding after you've kind of maybe started to feel like it's resolving, then that's just Mm -hmm. a good sign for you to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm doing too much. I need to just take it easy again. I thought that that was really helpful. Oh, it totally was. But yeah. It totally is. Yeah. So that was, it's still a doozy, um, even if the healing is. Oh, for um, sure. And then obviously, we can't even speak to recovering from a C section, which is literally abdominal surgery. Yeah. So that's a whole nother beast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Sarah and I have also talked about, side note, how your first shower after giving birth is, like, the best shower ever. Of life. You feel like a brand new woman. Yeah. Um, and I remember that, too. I think I was still feeling pretty weak and stuff, but I remember actually forcing myself to take a shower. Mine was more afterwards. I was like, wow, that was kind of the best thing ever, especially because I was in labor for 41 hours. Yeah. So it had been a while. Um, but anyways, moving on from physical, that's a whole... That's a whole episode in itself that's all TMI and not TMI because we're women, but you know. Um, So mentally, um, how do you feel like you did mentally after having prior? So 
I mentally, emotionally, whatever. Yes. So I was really surprised by how well Mm -hmm. I adjusted mentally and emotionally. So I am a pretty emotional person and a pretty anxious person. I know I've shared this previously, Mm -hmm. um, but I've never had to be on medication or or anything, but just like typical day-to-day anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. just pretty high strung. Um, and I 100% was a little bit mentally prepared for potentially some sort of baby blues or like Mm -hmm. postpartum anxiety or even some sort of depression, just knowing like how Mm -hmm. I am. But honestly, I feel like not quite the opposite happened, but it was not hard. Like in terms Mm -hmm. of, I mean, obviously I feel like I had like the typical emotional moments. The biggest thing for me was just thinking like every time I would hold him, not every time, but sometimes I would hold him and I would, it would be so emotional for me to think about like, he's never going to be this tiny again. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that was a little bit hard for me because I didn't have nine months to mentally and emotionally prepare myself was the fact that he was a boy. Yeah. I think that that is just like your mama relationship with your son is just different than having a girl. And I was Mm -hmm. totally convinced the whole time that I was pregnant that I was having a girl and so Mm -hmm. I just imagined this little girl that was going to grow up and one day become my best friend and to find out during delivery already a super emotional time of Mm -hmm. life um, that it was a boy and then like just like those few days and weeks after just processing like he's going to grow up one day and he's going to get married and he's going to leave me and that's what's supposed to happen and and I'm Mm -hmm. already praying for his future wife and his future family and who he's going to be as a man. And I pray that he loves Jesus and leads his family and loves them well, but it's still just something that's totally different. And just Mm -hmm. the dynamic in the relationship between a mom and a son versus a mom and a daughter is just really different. So I think like the emotions that I experienced in the first few days and weeks were related to the fact that I had to like process, okay, he's never going to be this tiny. And that's something I still struggle with. I'm like, he's never Mm going to be, he's, he's almost 14 months. I'm like, he's never going to be this tiny again. Um, and so yeah, that was, yeah, that. And then the whole, like, I have a boy. (laughs) Yeah. I, I can't imagine that part, especially I literally can't imagine. Yeah, I can't. And I remember the first the first time I saw him, like within minutes, you were like, "He is gonna leave me and get married one day." And I was like, "Sarah, stop!" But I now with her, I feel like I totally would have had those same thoughts if she yeah. if I would have had a boy, I would have totally been like, "Oh no," um, which is so funny. Again, I'm like, I feel like I never thought that was a big deal, and then you have your own boy, and you're like, "Oh no, this yeah. is a big deal." I know it's, it's crazy. It is crazy, and I think obviously everyone says this too. And I don't have a girl mm-hmm. to compare this to, but everyone also says, you know, how sweet it is the relationship between a mom and her son and just mm-hmm. the way that they love you. And he loves his daddy so, so much, but I would mm-hmm. say he probably is a mama's boy, which I mean, obviously I've also been home with him full time yeah. for 14 months, yeah. but just the way that he lights up when I walk in the room. Mm-hmm. And so it's super sweet. It's, yeah, it's been the sweetest bond and just to get to see our relationship Mm -hmm. form and develop it's been such a gift so I wouldn't trade it for the world but yeah that was just something that I didn't have nine months to prepare Mm -hmm. my mind and my heart for but other than that though and obviously you know like the day Justin went back to work which was the day that Maria came and visited us was just a Mm -hmm. really emotional day oh yeah for sure for me the thing that was the hardest and that I struggled with the most was just I was so sad that Justin wasn't going to get to be with him all day anymore. Mm -hmm. That's what was the hardest Mm -hmm. for me. Not Mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, I'm taking care of this baby by myself anymore or all of a sudden. But anyway, other than that, yeah, I am shocked. Mm -hmm. Like Justin and I both like looking back, I've asked him recently, like, how do you think it went? Like, do you think that I like struggled with anything? And he was like, no, like I was really, really surprised, like pleasantly Mm -hmm. surprised by how well Mm -hmm. you adjusted. Mm -hmm. So, and actually it's so crazy. I've had so many people make this comment to me that are in my family, um, especially whenever they would come visit us in the hospital, which I know now isn't a thing Mm -hmm. with COVID, Mm -hmm. but, um, like Justin's parents who live in South Carolina, they came to the hospital and that really was like the only little bit that they got to see prior right away. Like obviously Mm -hmm. all of my family lives here. Yeah. Um, 
I was really like I let everyone hold him so much in the mm-hmm. hospital and mm-hmm. that next week and people have like Justin's mom has made comments multiple times like wow I'm like so impressed with how much Sarah was mm-hmm. okay with other people holding him and I think mm-hmm. for me I just knew like I get to hold him every single day like oh, yeah they don't get to and so I wanted to mm-hmm. you know give them the opportunity I did tell Justin though I was like I think with the next one I might be a little bit more selfish and be like Okay, let me snuggle this baby. <laughs> but I just, yeah. I tried to be really conscious of the fact that yeah. everyone else didn't live with him and get yeah, to see him sure. and hold him and love him every day. But anyway, yeah. tell us about your experience because I know that you're still kind of in the midst of postpartum yeah. emotions. Um, and- so mine was, I, I, mine was similar in some ways and different in some ways. I was also really, really elated and just happy out of my mind just because this is something I've just forever looked forward to. I, I just, it's just all I've ever wanted and it's just been awesome. Um, but mine was really weird. And now I look back on it and I'm like, I guess it was the baby blues. I think it was just totally major hormonal, my hormones going crazy. Um, and it's funny that you talk about people holding him because, and you know this, this is one of the only times I felt anxiety with Mm -hmm. her. Um, was when other people were holding her. But the weird thing is, and this is how my anxiety has always manifested, it wasn't a conscious thought, like, whatsoever. Like, it wasn't me being like, oh, no, they don't know how to hold her. They're going to drop her. Oh, no, germs. Oh, no, is she okay? But I was having no thoughts, but I would get, like, a horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach. Mm -hmm. But it was with, like, close family members that I completely trust, completely love, completely wanted to hold her. Um, which is why looking back on it, I feel like it was totally hormonal. Um, and I was, I was worried at the beginning that I was experiencing some postpartum anxiety or depression because I also suffer from anxiety and, um, I'm already on medication, which was safe for all of pregnancy and breastfeeding, which is awesome. Um, but I was really scared about it. Um, so after, I actually made a postpartum appointment that second week. I was Mm -hmm. like, can I get in sooner? Because I want to talk to my doctor and make sure everything's okay. And by the time I saw my doctor, um, I think it was a few days before she was three weeks old, I felt totally fine. I felt totally fine, Um, which was so crazy because I was like, crap, here we are. This is not going to be good. I was so worried, but it all went away. It all went away. So Mm -hmm. very thankful for that. Um, I definitely had some staring at her face, crying moments, which I still do, honestly, a lot of the time. Just Um, being in awe of this tiny baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I had some, um, I had some heart emotions with breastfeeding because, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, it didn't go totally according to plan. Um, and Lena also, since she was young, like she had a hard time like sucking and breathing at the beginning. And she would have moments where she was like holding her breath and it scared me so, so bad. Um, so I was emotional for some of that part, but I, I really, after the two weeks, I have just felt happier than ever. Um, yeah. Which I feel really blessed to feel because like you, I was also really scared, but also kind of preparing myself in a way for postpartum anxiety. I really was. I was like, this is totally a possibility. It might happen. We'll face it when we get there, whatever. So I'm really thankful that mine was just a two week stunt and now it seems to be good. So yeah. And one, one thing that I would just encourage people, if you are someone that thinks maybe you're Mm -hmm. dealing with some sort of baby blues or postpartum depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety or yeah just thinking maybe this is hormones but I'm not 100% Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. the typical thing is to go for a six-week postpartum visit and see Mm -hmm. your OB but go at three weeks there's nothing wrong with that yes and so and I just always feel like too suffering for six weeks is a long time Mm -hmm. when there is a solution potentially Especially when you're trying to keep a human alive for the first time too. Like you have this big responsibility that you've never had before, you know? So I know, and I know that that there for a while, and I don't know the specifics now, but I know that there was kind of a push from ACOG, which is the American Mm -hmm. College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, to get moms in three weeks Mm -hmm. postpartum versus six weeks, just because the screening process really should be done sooner than six weeks. And I know also another thing that is a tool that I know people personally have really utilized and gotten help or like realized that maybe they needed help is the screening questionnaire that they 
they give you yeah. when you go to the pediatrician's office. Mm-hmm. And so that's something else. Obviously, you know, for you to be able to answer that honestly, you have to, yeah. you know, take a step back and realize and be honest with yourself. Yeah. But so anyway, I think just recognizing that, and I know obviously Allie shared her whole experience um, mm-hmm. last week on our, mm-hmm. on the podcast. And that was really helpful and encouraging, but just, yeah, yeah, go see your OB sooner than six weeks yeah. or talk to the pediatrician and then they can get you help where mm-hmm. you need or, yes. you know, I think that that was really admirable that you did that Maria, that you went sooner mm-hmm. than six weeks just because you recognized yeah. and you were being proactive. Yeah. You were oh, like, yeah. I don't want to wait until this gets potentially no. so bad. <laughs> No, not at all. And I was actually really thankful that when I went in there, I could be like, I made this appointment, you know, because of this. But now, like, looking at the questionnaire, I feel pretty good. And I was just so thankful for that. But, yeah. And I think you encouraged me in that by telling me that a lot of people had started doing Mm -hmm. three-week postpartum visits. And I know, yeah. When you texted me, mm -hmm. I was like, go at three weeks. And I told my parents, too, how I was feeling. My dad was like, go. Because I was anxious when my mom was holding her one time, which, like... Mm-hmm. Again, my mom's one of my best friends. Like, she's a pediatric nurse. Like, there is no worry mm-hmm. in my heart that she doesn't know what to do and how to love her. Um, but I was feeling anxiety over it. And that's when I was like, this is a little weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really thankful for that. So, okay. So, next, do you want to talk about, we can talk about sleep first. Sure. And talk about sleep. Yeah. yeah. So, um, We both feel spoiled, and people listening to this might hate us a little bit, but I feel like we both had pretty decent sleepers. Now, I will say, Lena was a preemie, so Mm -hmm. um, that has to do with some of her sleepiness in the beginning, for sure. Even the past few nights, she's been a little more awake, so my experience could totally change any day now, Um, but she's still sleeping really well. We normally wake up like one to two times a night, which I feel like is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, again, because she was a preemie, we were setting alarms for every three hours. That was for the first two weeks. So that was a bit of a doozy. But then once she got back up to her birth weight, we were told we could stop setting alarms. Um, and so then she's awake one to two times a night. Um, I will say I have noticed, and I know some people say not to do this, but I'm right beside her. She is normally in a dock-a-tot when she's laying with us downstairs, um, but she loves it too much, <laughs> and we aren't going to let her sleep in it at night because we want to watch her and you know make sure she's safe when she's in it. Um, and so recently, we've tried to be way more aware of letting her sleep in her bassinet during the day as well, mm-hmm. um, which was literally just a, we don't have a baby monitor yet that we love because she's always with us. We didn't get so one until Pryor went into his room. Yeah, and so we literally it was just me. Yeah, it was literally just me being like, "Well, the docketot's here, and she's comfy, so cool." But then mm-hmm. the other day, I was like, "You know, she sleeps way better in this than she does in her bassinet at night." And again, she sleeps, um, but it just takes her a little bit longer to get comfortable. I think she just loves being like enclosed and snuggled in more in the docketot, even though we do swaddle her. Um, so we've tried to be more aware of bringing the basket down and having her sleep in that during the day too. And she did really well today. So I'm interested to see how she does tonight. Um, but yeah, really lucky with her sleep so far. And we'll see, we're going to try to start doing like, obviously all the naps in the basket. And then we're going to try to start like one nap in the crib a day, I think. And then maybe two naps in the crib and then maybe all of them and we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. So, because I go back to work December 2nd and I'm like, even if she's not sleeping through the night, it'd be cool to, you know, make sure her sleep's a little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it's still good. She, and we've talked about this too. Lena is a very grunty, noisy baby. So it's really interesting sleeping with her in our room because there's a lot of noise, but it's rarely crying, if that makes sense. Like, when she's crying, we're like, oh, she's upset. But sometimes we're like, is that grunt angry enough to mean that she needs us? Or is she just grunting because mm-hmm. she grunts? She's really interesting. And everyone I've been around has said they've never really been around a baby that makes as much noise as her. So, so that's funny. an interesting thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does make and a lot of noise. Yes, and we literally, like, we have to weigh, like, what what her noises mean and are her noises loud enough for her to actually be hungry yet or is she like just being herself so that's been interesting but 
Yeah. I know Pryor was a good sleeper too and still is, so. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't really, I mean, very similar experience (laughs) to Maria. Mm -hmm. Um, He, yeah, did really well from the beginning, went to sleep Mm -hmm. pretty easily on his own and then would literally wake up to eat. I would feed him, put him right back in his bassinet Mm -hmm. and he'd go right back to sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't remember the specifics, but I mean, probably waking up two maybe three times at night in the very Mm -hmm. beginning and then yeah two and then eventually one and he started sleeping through the night at three and a half months um Mm -hmm. and I know we shared and again super controversial but for us we felt like the best decision for him and for us was Mm -hmm. a little bit of sleep training and so we did that at three and a half months and it has been Mm -hmm. the best decision of our life and he is Mm -hmm. the best at going to sleep for naps and at night and sleeps mm-hmm. through the night mm-hmm. and soothes himself and it's yeah, yeah it's been a gift for him and for us and for anyone that yeah, watches it's awesome. him <laughs> yeah. so anyway yeah. but yeah we really honestly did I know it knock on wood everyone keeps joking that which I know you can't really call him our sucker baby if we're planning on having more kids but have you ever heard people say like (laughs) he's your sucker baby you're gonna get suckered into having more like Mm -hmm. we already want more Mm -hmm. my latest Mm -hmm. is when people ask how many babies I want my new answer is however many Justin will let me have so literally give me all the babies um but (laughs) I think we know it's so funny because Justin was just saying the other day he's like Sarah you do realize that one of our babies eventually probably will be a little bit harder than him Mm-hmm. But anyway, he's been a dream, like really been mm-hmm. great. So mm-hmm. we can't complain with the sleep. Mm-hmm. It honestly mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. Yeah. And I think too, I will say like Spencer is a very, we're both very heavy sleepers, but he's even heavier of a sleeper than me. And he was really worried at first about how tired he was going to be. Like, are we going to be able to function? But you just get used to yes. it. And, yes. and I say, too, like, when, when we get up, I'm having to pump. And then he normally feeds and changes her, which I'm so thankful. I don't know how people do it without someone helping them because I'm so thankful he helps me. Um, but we're still normally up for, like, 30 to 45 minutes. And it's not like... Like, when you're pregnant, you get up, you pee, you go back to sleep, you know, whatever. But when it's a baby, it's a longer process, obviously. Yeah. Um, So that's something to get used to. But honestly, we're doing really well. And she's so worth it. You know, you get up and you see your baby and you're like, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Also, sorry, the dogs are literally going nuts. (laughs) Justin's out on the porch FaceTiming Spencer (laughs) and the dogs are out there. And I don't know. Spencer's um, looking at me through the window, too, because he knows that there's noise happening, yeah. and we're probably like, stop it. Just a little bit <laughs> distracting for us. That's okay. That's okay. Um, but, yeah, I think I remember, too, because Justin is very, like, needs a lot of sleep, uninterrupted mm-hmm. sleep, so he was a little mm-hmm. bit nervous, too. But, yeah, like you said, you just adjust. Like, yeah, you do. And, again, it, it's worth it. Yes. Yes. I know. It's like no other time in your life are you willing to be awake at all hours of the Mm -hmm. night for something. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. No way. So um, next we're going to talk about feeding, which again, I feel, well, we have pretty different experiences in this. So that's good to touch on. Um, I know you got really lucky with Pryor and his breastfeeding experience. I know he's a champ. So tell us how he did with feeding. Yeah, and I think I've probably mentioned this randomly on other episodes. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he, so from the first time that we breastfed, like, mm-hmm. you know, an hour after delivery before we even mm-hmm. moved to the mother-baby unit, he latched perfectly mm-hmm. and had mm-hmm. a great feeding. And really from there, we have had honestly no mm-hmm. issues with latch awesome. or with any of that stuff. So I do feel super, super thankful. And mm-hmm. honestly, I feel really guilty a lot of times. Um, no. I know I shared this one time on Instagram, but I just feel like it's not something that I like to talk about a ton because mm-hmm. I know it's something that there's so much pressure put on mm-hmm. moms by themselves, by other people, mm-hmm. um, to have a feeding experience that looks a certain way. And that is just not always realistic. And Mm -hmm. I know we shared too with Ashley when she shared her Mm -hmm. feeding experience with her babies that we really just need to be better about giving ourselves more grace and putting less pressure Mm -hmm. on ourselves. And at the end of the day, if our baby's fed, that's what matters. But Mm -hmm. just for me to share my personal experience, which I do realize um, 
is not always like everyone else's. But yeah, we had a really easy, natural experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And also it's so funny knowing what I know as soon as he, as soon as I delivered him and he was on my chest screaming, I'm like examining his mouth for like tongue ties and lip ties. Mm -hmm. Cause I just, I'm like, this is what I'm like, I know too much. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so yeah, we have had, he's 14 months and is actually still breastfeeding two to three times a day. Um, always Mm -hmm. first thing in the morning and then usually one or two other times during the day. And Mm -hmm. I kind of just let, let him let me know during the day when he wants to nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm okay with it. I think also because I know like these moments I'll never get back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really want him to self wean. I don't want to make him, I don't want to force him to wean. And so I don't know. He likes, he likes, I always joke, I call it mama milk. I'm like, he likes the mama milk. So I just don't yeah. really know. Um, yeah. But also the other thing is I'm like, I know there's a lot of benefits to even breastfeeding up to two years, which I have no idea how long this will be or how long I'm mm-hmm. willing to let it go. But mm-hmm. for now I'm still okay doing it and just kind of seeing what he does in the future. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of benefits just with like the immunity. And I'm thinking, especially with like COVID and like going into flu mm-hmm. season and the winter again. Oh, yeah. So, I'm kind of like, it is, and again, still, I mean, we're definitely doing solids and obviously feeding him three meals a day and all that, but I still, if there's ever a meal that he isn't eating super well for, I at least know he's getting some calories and nutrition from breast milk. So anyway, yeah, but I did, I did, I will just say this briefly. So I, because I've been home full time, I never had to pump so that mm-hmm. like someone could give him a bottle occasionally if my mom or someone watched him for us to go out to dinner or do something like that. Or if it was during a feeding and we were gone, I would leave a bottle mm-hmm. and they would give it to him. But I did actually pump when he started sleeping through the night at three and a half months, I started pumping before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I learned the hard way, if I didn't, I woke up yeah. in Ouch. so much pain. Woo! Yes. <laughs> So much pain and discomfort. So anyway, so I pumped before bed for probably three months. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like it got to the point where I dreaded it so much. I just wanted to Mm -hmm. go to bed that Mm -hmm. Justin had to like literally go get the pump like and Mm -hmm. was like here. But anyway, so Mm -hmm. I started freezing everything, just not knowing Mm -hmm. when or if I would go to work. So we ended up having 300 ounces of breast milk frozen in our freezer because I didn't need to use it because I hadn't started working. So, and I was like, what am I going to do with all this breast milk? And I looked into donating it, but there's a lot of times if you donate to like a breast milk bank, there are a lot of Mm -hmm. requirements and stipulations. Yeah. So anyway, I ended up giving it to a friend who is breastfeeding but supplements with formula. And so mm-hmm. anyway, it was like such a blessing. I also prayed and was so worried. So my mom with all four of us, m- me and my three siblings, mm-hmm. she started out breastfeeding but then wasn't able to for a super long time because of a supply issue. And so I think mm-hmm. I went in thinking like or being worried that that might happen to me. And so... Mm-hmm. And just prayed a lot about it. And okay, Lord, if that happens, give me peace and give Mm -hmm. me guidance to know what to do next and to be okay with whatever I need to do. So I like just looking back, I'm like so humbled. Like here I was so worried about not being able to make enough for my baby. And then I made enough for my baby and then was able to bless a friend who wasn't able to make quite enough. Anyway, so I'm thankful, but... Yeah, so tell us, because I know that you're... I just wanted to say a little bit about pumping, because I know that you're going to share about pumping. Oh, so yeah, I did we'll do some pumping. pumping. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so again, I feel like I mentioned Lena being technically a preemie a lot, but it has a lot to do with kind of how she was, especially her first few days and weeks here. So um, when she was first born, she literally didn't even know how to suck yet. Because that's she one of the very last know. things to develop. Yes. I think they said at week 38, maybe, yep, and she came here late. at week 36 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she did not know how to suck. I will never forget. So, she got here at 1.39 a.m. Um, Friday morning. Um, so, like, right at the beginning of Friday. The whole day Friday, like, during the daytime, we were working with a lactation consultant how to get her to eat. Um, because, yeah, she did not latch, had no desire. They helped me, like, express milk and give her colostrum. And I was pumping, 
oh my gosh, almost immediately um, because they wanted my body also wasn't ready to feed her yet, which I'd never really thought about before. Um, so they wanted me to make sure my colostrum was getting expressed to still give to her somehow when she would take it. And then also that my milk would come in because I did want to try and breastfeed. Um, but we tried Sarah. Oh my gosh, we tried, you know, breastfeeding nipple shields. We tried syringe with a nipple shield. We tried syringe feeding regularly. We tried different nipples, um, Well, and finally the lactation consultant came in and said, I really feel like we need to give her formula. And I remember looking at her and I said, homegirl, feed my baby. (laughs) I was literally like, I am never going to be the person that looks at you and says, don't feed my baby because obviously this isn't working. She's a preemie, please feed her. Mm -hmm. Um, And so finally she ended up taking some formula with the red preemie nipple on it. It's like the easiest flow. You literally tip it over and it like flows out. out. Like that was, that was what she had to take because she wasn't sucking. Um, So yeah, that's how we started feeding her. And then my milk actually did really well. I think it came in, I want to say day four, Mm -hmm. um, which was awesome. Um, And my first, our first appointment with the doctor, um, with her pediatrician, we just kind of talked about it. You know, we were supplementing with formula. My milk wasn't in. I think two days later, I went to a lactation consultant and she said, your milk's still not in, but I bet you it's going to be in tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. And then I came. So I was in the, um, the her doctor's office three times the first week. Um, and then the third day, indeed, my milk was in. Um, but she still was just having a really hard time. And so we have tried to breastfeed. And it's weird. Like a few days ago, she breastfed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really... So I'm mostly pumping at this point, um, which... I think, I don't know, I think I've come to grips with it and I think I'm fine with it because I'm just happy that I do have enough milk to give her. Yeah. And I'm happy that it's breast milk, but I also tell people logistically, I'm happy I don't have to go out and spend money on formula. Like I'm glad that my body is making it and I can still give it to her. And again, I'm thankful Spencer um, works from home sometimes and I feel like I can hand her off and pump and Um, I've tried to use it as my me time and Mm -hmm. chill and, you know, do whatever I want to do, obviously within reason, because you're attached to a wall. Um, But yeah, she will randomly breastfeed. But I think that I just don't think it's her thing. I think her mouth was too small when she got here. She wasn't able to suck. And then a lot of people say if you give them a bottle too soon, then they won't learn, which I know there's, you know, that's up in the air. That's Mm -hmm. up for debate. Um, but I'm like, if that's the case and that's why she won't breastfeed, too bad because I was feeding her, you yeah. know, like I 100%. did what I had to do to mm-hmm. feed her. Um, so I'm fully, I fully come to grips with it. And I will say I go back to work December 2nd. Now I am starting to teach virtually. So I'm thankful that I might be able to close my door and pump and it won't be as hard as it would have been with students there. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know what's going to happen when I go back to work, you know? And I know that formula has come a really long way from when we were kids. I know that they have, like, I know even we have to give her vitamin D because she's getting breast milk, mm-hmm. whereas formula already has it in there. So I know that it's come a long way and um, it might happen at some point. But for now, I'm really content mostly pumping. And mm-hmm. the few times that she'll randomly breastfeed are cool. But um, her latch isn't great and she hurts me a lot. <laughs> Um, when she does like she'll breastfeed once and it'll be okay and we'll do it and then the next time it's like killing me like I have tears in my eyes sometimes and my lactation consultant told me one time like if you're crying or she's crying stop it's not gonna happen Mm -hmm. like it's not and I feel the same way I'm like I don't want to stress out my baby to feed her and I think at this point too she probably knows like I can get it quicker from a bottle you Mm -hmm. know and I don't know and I still get to snuggle her and Holder, so I think it's okay. And I think, but it's, it's nice definitely too. been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nice too, though, that Spencer gets to feed her. It is, and you know what? He told me the other night, Sarah. He was like, selfishly, he said, "I love that I get to wake up and feed her in the middle of the night." Yeah. He was like, "It's some of my favorite times with her." And he's so cute. He's so smitten over her as he should be, but he's literally like. Before we go to bed sometimes, he's like, I'll see you in a few hours. We get to hang out together. I love like it. Like, he, he really does love it. And I think it's cool, too. And, 
And yeah, she's still getting my breast milk, which is awesome. I am, I'm thankful that my body's doing it. I really am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely think pumping is, pumping is hard, even though my mentality has been good with it. Mm -hmm. I hate being, Spencer always says, when people ask us what's the hardest part of parenting, he wants to say that my wife has to get hooked up to a wall six to eight times a day and she can't move. Mm-hmm. And it really is because, like, if Lena's in there with me and spits up or needs me, it's hard to grab her and take care of her, you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of a struggle. And I know they have wearable pumps now, but I've yeah. heard a lot of people say it's not – a lot of people say it dries them up because they're not as effective. Wow. Um, like, the suction isn't as good because I've looked into it a lot, and a lot of people say that. So I'm like, someone needs to invent a really awesome portable pump. I know, because that's one thing that I keep thinking about. So that's uh-huh. the other thing, like, I think about with the next baby when I'm working. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have yeah. a totally different feeding experience yeah. because I won't be home with them 24-7 mm-hmm. for the first mm-hmm. year of their life. So, yeah, I've definitely yeah. been thinking about because I'm also like, how hard will it be for me to take pumping breaks when I have, like, a full patient oh. load going and seeing patients? Like, mm-hmm. so I'm like... How awkward do you think these patients would feel if I walk into their room and I'm obviously pumping with a hands-free pump? (laughs) But anyway, so I've already been even thinking, like, obviously, Mm -hmm. baby number two isn't happening quite yet. But, like, yeah, just thinking about when I start working. Yeah. My feeding experience with the next one is going to look totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing, too, so two pieces of advice that I wanted to give. The first, and I know we talked about this a lot with Ashley Powell's episode with with feeding, but just mm-hmm. 100% giving yourself grace and however it is mm-hmm. that you're feeding your baby, whether it's mm-hmm. breastfeeding, exclusively pumping, whether mm-hmm. you're doing breastfeeding and pumping formula, yeah. or if your baby needs a feeding tube, whether that's an NG tube oh, in yeah. their nose or they have, you know, a feeding tube in their belly, whatever it looks like, you are taking mm-hmm. care of your child, you are meeting their needs, and that is the most important thing, and mm-hmm. you are sacrificing for your baby. But yeah. also, if if you have access to a lactation consultant, I would say utilize them. Yeah. Um, If you are someone that is trying to breastfeed, use Mm -hmm. your lactation consultants. I know I didn't have to much, but definitely in the Mm -hmm. hospital when they came and checked on us, I always would ask them questions. And then the pediatrician that we see also is, does Mm -hmm. lactation consultant stuff. And so she was really helpful in the beginning. But so I have a good friend who has made it to a year of breastfeeding because of lactation consultants. And she will tell you, like, if it Mm -hmm. would not have been for them, like everyone else would have told her, give formula, like, don't eat, like, Mm -hmm. don't even bother continuing to try, but Mm -hmm. they really helped her and encouraged her and pushed her. And so anyway, if you have access to a lactation consultant, Mm -hmm. use them. For sure. But also again, at the end of the day, as long as your baby's fed, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be like, I will say the first few weeks, the times that I saw, I saw a lactation consultant three times, I Mm -hmm. think in the first two weeks. And I cried after most appointments because if it doesn't work naturally, there are like so many different techniques and so many different tools and so many different positions and holds. And, um, and if those aren't working, I told Spencer, I literally felt like I needed a laptop in front of me to take notes because oh. there are so many different things involved. Again, if it doesn't naturally work. Um, and so it was overwhelming, but they were so helpful. And I think, honestly, I think I think getting to the point of taking the pressure off of myself has been really good because I don't think I felt pressured by other people to breastfeed but I think I put it on myself mm-hmm. hardcore, mm-hmm. like really hardcore, um, which I I never thought I would do. I didn't think that I felt that way about it, but I totally did mm-hmm. when it came down to it. Um, but yeah, we'll see. My It's still going on. And again, she might breastfeed in a few minutes. Like you never know. And when my mentality is good and hers is good and she's not starving, we try sometimes. And I don't know. I don't I know. I love it. It's been, it's been crazy. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So um, the last thing I think we're going to talk about is just kind of the adjustment overall for both of us. Um, And again, I feel like this is one of the things Sarah and I had a similar experience with because you guys had just moved back to your hometown um, and we are here in our hometown with our people. So how did you feel like you guys adjusted? I think 
that it went, I think it was a really smooth transition for us. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that the adjustment, I hate to say easy because having a baby, while for us, Do you want to know that I wrote, I wrote easy in my notes and I literally was like, I probably shouldn't say that on the podcast. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like I felt the same way. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess I wouldn't say that it was easy because while having a baby and adjusting to being parents wasn't hard for us, it was just Mm -hmm. an adjustment. Like it was just Mm -hmm. a new normal that we had to figure out, but it was made so much easier by having the support from our family and our friends. And I think I say all the time, had we stayed in Charlottesville and not moved back, I would have had a totally different postpartum experience Mm -hmm. emotionally and mentally. Like I truly do not know how we would have done it. So I think, and I know not everyone has the luxury for a lot Mm -hmm. of different reasons, jobs, their spouse's job, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. family, you know, being somewhere Mm -hmm. else for whatever their reason that not everyone has the luxury of having their family. But hopefully you at least have some sort of community wherever you are yes. because yeah. having people love on you um, and give you like verbal, affir- like words of affirmation, but then also mm-hmm. loving on you in intangible ways. So like, I know Maria, you guys had this and we had mm-hmm. a meal train from our people at church, mm-hmm. which was such a gift. Oh, um, yeah. And so, yeah, just, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have had a very similar experience. Um, yeah, I literally wrote down easy and then I wrote easy ish to make yeah. myself feel a little better. Um, yeah, but yeah, because our family's here, um, my dad retired in January. So it's been nice. Like buddy was sick one day, our dog. And I was like, I don't know if I, I can't get this dog and this newborn baby into the vet. So I called him and he came and helped us. And, um, yeah, our family has been incredible and our church was incredible. I still can't get over the amount of meals and gift cards and baby items that we've received. And I keep telling people at our church, like they really showed us tangibly, like what the body of Christ should be like, like not just because they gave us gift cards, like that's not what it's about, but just like so many people every day were there reaching out for us, wanting to feed us and help us buy baby items. And Mm -hmm. like, it was just amazing. Um, but yeah, I feel the same. And also like having a good partner is just so amazing. I can't, I can't imagine. I literally, I can't imagine. And we've said it a million times. Single moms are literally superheroes. Mm -hmm. I really, Mm -hmm. and and that's us with good, well, you know, with like pretty good sleepers and good eaters as babies. So I Mm -hmm. can't imagine having a baby that doesn't sleep or has a really hard time feeding and being a single mom or not having a good or has a medical issue or oh yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and and another thing is even though we did have so much support and love and encouragement from our family and friends I think one thing that for Justin and me and for me specifically and I know I shared this on the episode about Pryor's birthday and what we've learned during his first year of life Mm -hmm. regardless of how seamless the transition was with help from everyone else, it still was such an adjustment because it is no mm-hmm. longer about you and your spouse anymore. Yes. Yeah. And you don't have the freedom that you had before yep. for good reason. And it's such a blessing to be able to sacrifice for your baby and mm-hmm. what an honor and joy it is to be entrusted with them and mm-hmm. be given the task of raising them while they're on this earth. But it still is just a new thing that you have to figure out and get used oh, yeah. to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So regardless of how easy mm-hmm. or helpful everyone is, it still mm-hmm. is just a new thing mm-hmm. to figure out. Yeah. Spen and, and I, I were laughing. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, Spin and I were laughing because we took Lena into her first restaurant yesterday. And again, it's COVID. So, you know, this adds another level of difficulty on top of stuff. But on the way there, I was like, okay. I don't think she's hungry yet. I don't think she needs to be changed yet. But what's our game plan? We were like, okay, we're going to take her in as she is. If she gets upset, you bring her out to the car and you do this and I do that. And Spin was like, I think it's kind of fun that we have to think of game plans now when we go places. Um, Because, yeah, that's something we would have never, like, we're going to walk into this restaurant and eat. And now there's just so much more to think about. Um, But, yeah, it it is such a gift and an honor to be able to do it for sure. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love it. So we thought of a verse for this one. It's actually a a bunch of verses. It's a longer section. A little Um, passage. 
Yes, and it's Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. Um, very popular passage. Um, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And we were laughing because we were like, what a big chunk of um, scripture. But we were just thinking about like, whatever your postpartum newborn season is like, it is just for a season. Mm -hmm. For better Um, or for worse. Yes. And I think so many people, yeah, so many people I've talked to that have a difficult newborn season still look back on it and like miss it Mm -hmm. you know because it's still such it's such a special time um so yeah yeah and I know I feel like I say this I told Maria I'm like I say all the time but I feel like whatever your season does look like Mm -hmm. it the Lord is growing you through it through the Mm -hmm. good and the hard and the bad and the middle of the night stuff and he's growing you and he is making you more like him because we get to sacrifice for our babies Mm -hmm. and we get to show them like the very heart of the gospel which is sacrifice Mm -hmm. jesus sending his son for us we get to live that out for them in motherhood Mm -hmm. with the dirty diapers in the middle of the night feedings and all of those things and then especially as they you know continue to grow and we really get to teach them things and it's just, it's such a gift. So just remember that it's fleeting and it's just for a short time. And yeah, I know sometimes that doesn't make it easier in the moment when things oh, are yeah, hard, for sure. but the Lord is growing you and you're doing kingdom work in mm-hmm. loving and caring for your baby every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have such a little bundle of joy to squeeze. <laughs> yes. That's the best part. I know one of my favorite quotes is from from a book by Val Warner and it's called Grumpy Mom Takes a Holiday and she talks about mm-hmm. like if the Lord's going to use something to refine me like I'm mm-hmm. so thankful it comes with footy pajamas and giggles and I'm like mm-hmm. yes yes 100% so 100%. anyway yeah well we hope you guys enjoyed this episode um and we hope that if you're looking back on your newborn season you're looking back on it with hard eyes and if you're in the middle of it that Um, hopefully you're taking the time to stop and embrace it all, whether it's good or bad. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed sharing this episode because I know I'll be like Sarah in a year from now and look back and forget some of the things I said in this episode, which just kills me, but it's okay. It's so true. (laughs) It goes so quickly. It does. But thank you guys so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be helpful if you would subscribe or leave us a rating and review. And feel free to follow us and join the conversation at the Cold Coffee Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. We wish we could have coffee with each of you, but since we can't, we'd love to send a gift card to the first two people who share this episode on their Instagram story and tag us in the post. Once again, thanks for joining us on the Cold Coffee Podcast.